Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host, Adam Thackeray, and today I am delighted to be joined by Daryl Hindle. So Daryl is the owner of Quench Buggy and Fest Equip, which rent and distribute water stations for events and municipalities all across North America. These products and services are geared towards reducing waste and adding promotional tools. Before starting these businesses, Daryl was involved in different aspects of industrial and mechanical engineering with automotive companies such as Chrysler, Magna, and Manic, as well as helping run the family rental business. Through the two current companies Daryl operates, over 175 festivals and events each year are able to provide free access to drinking water at events from concerts and festivals to sporting events. When not working, Daryl volunteers with the economic development, community features, minor hockey, and minor lacrosse, as well as enjoying time with his family and anything to do with the outdoors. Very delighted to have Daryl on today. Uh, very excited. He's got a very unique story uh, around his businesses and how they do, do distribution of these stations all across North America and services all across North America. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Daryl Hindle. Welcome to the Ways of Working podcast. Uh, today, delighted to be joined by Daryl Hindle. Daryl, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So, you know, we were just talking about, you know, you know, before we get into some of your business pieces about, you know, you're, you're extremely passionate about business in this area. Um, can you tell me a bit more about, you know, what drives that passion and what gets you excited about just all the great things that are happening um, in, in the Georgian Bay region? Yeah, well, I've been uh, in a business-oriented family. We've had family businesses since uh, since I was born. My parents have owned uh, service centers and portable restroom companies and all sorts of different businesses, and that goes back further than my parents. But uh, oh, cool. it's just always been a passion for me since I started. I started my first business when I was 15, and that was uh, doing bike repairs on the side. Nice. Uh, Good so place to was, do it. That was the start. Yeah. That was the start. Yeah. Early on, very cool. Well, it's a happening place up here for biking. It, uh, it is one of the meccas to come to. Uh, I'm hoping mine arrives today, actually, but we'll see. Um, so, so I know who to go to if I need uh, some some repairs <laughs> on my bike. If uh, one of the shops aren't immediately available, then. Yeah, yeah. There's a great new bike shop, by the way, downtown Collingwood. Oh, the the summit, yeah. the summit uh, place. Summit House. Yeah, yeah, Summit House. It's great. Uh, the yeah. the wife Kelly, she used to uh, to work out of here at the Collingwood Foundry, and so uh, so yeah, my my wife and kids have been down there and, and had some treats and and coffee yeah. and stuff. I haven't had a chance to get down there yet. I, I actually gave up coffee last year, and so it's uh, a bit of a difference for me. But I, I heard they have Blue Mountain tea and stuff there, so that's cool. Yeah, I'll have to do the same. I've never been a coffee drinker, not once. So, yeah. Yeah, so you're good. <laughs> they, they they bring in the local stuff from from basically across the street and, and do it. So, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It's nice to see that, too, because they don't really have uh, – there's other coffee places, but they're, they're not uh, – they don't bring a great experience, whereas I've heard Summit House brings a, a great experience. So that's nice to see. Yeah, and he's a very passionate individual, very knowledgeable in what he's doing and willing to dive into anything that he doesn't know. So oh, I yeah. think he'll be very successful. But that's just a, one example of the the entrepreneurs we have in the area. He's he's going to be successful for oh, sure. Oh, that's great. Very cool. I love to hear that. So so you have an, an interesting take, too, on just, you know, entrepreneurial work, um, you know, having worked with, you know, the center and Jillian Fairley and Tim Newton and them. Um, both as a mentee and a mentor in different capacities. So maybe we can start with Quench Buggy and get into a little bit about that business, you know, how it came about, um, how you, you know, enjoyed the experience, you know, working with uh, those organizations to help get things moving and, and scaling for you. And, and we can kind of go from there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, the Center for Business was 
vital in the development of Quench Buggy. First of all, Quench Buggy started with uh, with an idea. I was actually helping out uh, my parents' uh, family business um, in portable restrooms. And I was approached at one of the events we were setting up with by a lady who wanted to fill her water bottle. And this is 13 years ago now. Um, and there was nothing like you couldn't fill anything that all the fountains were shut down in the park, you know, the old fountains that they used to have. So, yeah. uh, it got me thinking about what I could do and what we could possibly rent through our family business, um, to serve this area that was kind of untapped, but, you know, growing with the plastic free movement. And even at that time, there was a lot of talk about it. So I started doing a lot of research and seeing what was out there and there was really nothing out there. And I found a, a group in Australia that had built a trailer and they were selling them to municipalities down there and they were willing to um, help me through, you know, design ideas, what worked for them, what didn't. So what happened was I approached a local manufacturer that built some of our equipment for us and asked if they'd be willing to help me with this. And they were willing to put up the money until the first unit was built and that took about a year and a half. But after that point, I had to pay for that unit. And when you went to a bank and said, you're going to build water trailers, they were kind of looking at you like, uh, sure you are. <laughs> and how are we going to sell that? You know, this is a $40,000 unit. And what are we going to do with that? Right. So that's where Center for Business came in. Um, at the time, it was Betty. And I went to her and it's a very thorough process. And, you know, getting that money and going through the business plan and and just the whole loan application, it really makes you take a deep dive into into what you're doing in your business and where you're actually going to make money. And and without that money, we well, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing today. And that was really the start. And from that, once we got that money, um, the next step was the mentorship program. And. I had never really been through any sort of mentorship program in, in college or anything like that. And it was my first exposure to it. And, and being an eight month program, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but I was always willing to listen to advice from anybody else in business and, mm -hmm. and take their advice. So I thought it was a great opportunity. Turned out that, that my mentor was fabulous. You know, he was a local business owner in the cleaning business and he had a lot of different uh, experience than I did. Um, as far as accounting side, which I, I didn't have any experience whatsoever and, and really the marketing side, which was his, his niche. And it was a great fit, but aside from the mentor, just the group sessions that we did every month were, were really inspiring to hear all the different businesses and the issues they're having. And you, you suddenly feel like you're not alone and there's other people you can lean on from the other mentors to the other businesses. And just fabulous experience it really was it's interesting because that is a common theme with entrepreneurs that, that it is a very lonely universe when trying to build a, a company because you know as much as some people say they're there for you in, in real you know in reality that they they aren't like and so it's nice to hear when there are those you know those groups or tribes that you can go to and that there is that support um, you, you mentioned that your mentor had a lot of, you know, diverse backgrounds and experiences that, that were different from yours, um, that really helped pave the way. Um, can you go into a couple, you know, examples that you can remember of, you know, aha moments where you're like, whoa, like that, that is just going to be so vital for us or so helpful. And, you know, I never really thought of it because it's always the surround yourself with the smartest people. Um, and you don't really know something until you kind of walk into it and have that discussion with them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and this has actually just come up recently, but, and it made me think back to my, my mentor, but one of the things that he stressed at the time is, is what is your, your minimum viable product? You know, what is, what can you, what are you offering to people? You know, not at the lowest level, but what can you make money at? And what and how will you do that? What's the service look like where you can make the customer happy, you can make money and everybody goes away happy. And, and I never really thought of that at the time. I thought at the time, I'm just going to get this thing out there and see what happens. Yeah. You know, and we built some features into that first trailer that that weren't really needed. They mm. were over the top and customers really didn't want that. And it cost us extra money to do that. And by drilling down on that and, and thinking deeper on that, it was it was very interesting. But like I said, this just came up a couple of weeks ago with uh, Jason Gillum, who's who's working on the accelerator in Collingwood. Yeah. And he, he said the same thing. I was looking at some new technology and he he said the same thing. And I was like, wow, forgot all about this. Like 15 this years later, I learned right? 10 years ago yeah. and I've already forgotten it. But yeah, it was that was very important for me. That's good. And it's, and it's nice to hear that, you know, some things still reign true, right? Like there are, you know, uh, you know, practices and things that are, are recommended or, or advice that you're given. And sometimes it's very much for that point in time, but that's definitely one that, you know, seem, seems to stand the test of time for sure. Uh, yes. Yeah. And then the other thing that he really taught me was to, to drill down on what you're good at and find experts or people that can help you at things that you aren't good at. And that was bookkeeping for me at the start. Um, I was doing it all myself. Like you do when you're a, a new business owner, you try and do everything you can to save a dollar. Yep. Um, but you, you really do need to know what, what your expertise is and what you're good at and know when you need help and when you can better use your time to make money on other things and, and rely on the experts. So that was, that was vital. And, and, this, the, the part where you're getting, you know, you're working with the center in that program, that, that power up program. Can you go into a bit of details of, you know, some of the other things that came along with it? Cause it seems to be like a, a full package experience. Um, and I think it'd be interesting for people to get an appreciation of what actually happens past some of those other pieces you mentioned around the networking groups and, and, and the money per se. Yeah. Well, the, the hands-on, like the hands-on support just from the, the facilitator of the group, is one thing because that the facilitator has so much knowledge about what each mentor is good at. So just because you have um, my mentor was Peter, just because I had Peter as my mentor, you have all those other resources at your fingertips that you can reach out to any of those people, you know, that if you, he was an expert in marketing and had a lot of knowledge in accounting, but we need some legal advice, right? So we were able to, dig into that dip into that pool of talent that was there especially in our networking like our once a month um, sessions that were facilitated there was all different learning opportunities so every month was different you'd learn on social media you'd learn about accounting you'd learn on it was just it was a fabulous program it was so well put together that after that eight months like Peter and I stayed in touch we did it's not like the end of the eight months we just cut ties and you know carried on our ways, but, um, we stayed in touch for numerous years later. Now he's since retired and living out of the area, but yeah. there's just so many things in that program, but I really, there was a couple of people that were very, um, inspirational. I guess you could say, I don't know if it's inspirational, but they really made you participate. 
there were some shy people. I was one of them where I yeah. didn't really want to give my thoughts and ideas. But once you started to open up and realize that the other people are having the same issues you are, there was a lot of resources there to, to lean on. And really, it really grew my business. It really took it to the next level that, that eight months. And what did they do specifically around like the, the communication piece? So you mentioned, you know, you know, you're a bit quieter of an individual and, and, you know, introverts, you know, tend to be a little more reserved, but they, they are full of so much life and, and knowledge and experience that sometimes it isn't brought out until that sort of experience takes place. And I was talking to a, a student the other day about this um, and, and they were curious about that. And I've sent them some material, but I was interested to hear from others, you know, around tactics that were helpful and beneficial to, to bring that out and for you to feel comfortable doing so as well. Again, that, that goes back to a good facilitator at the group, right? right. Okay. They can, they can recognize that they can see who's, who's kind of holding back and, and they, they would reach out to you in between sessions and say, you know, is there anything that you didn't get answered? Was there anything that you should follow up on? And, and those first couple of meetings there was, because I didn't want to ask things. Right. And I'm sure that was the way for other people. Now there's some people that aren't introverted at all and they're willing to just expose themselves. You would sure. say <laughs> with yeah. all their, yeah. but I wasn't that way. And, and I love that in between session interaction too. It wasn't just that once a month and you're once a month with your mentor, you could go back and they would reach out to you and ask that you were getting the help you needed. And there was a couple mentors during that time that, that actually switched mentees because there was a better fit. And it was just that constant interaction from the facilitator and the organizer of the group that really just made you feel part of it. And by the end of it, all the all the mentees and mentors had a great working relationship. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. That's really nice to hear that there's that that extra mile that they went to to discover and, and figure things out. Um, so, you know, th- things have obviously been in, you know, persistence is a big part and resilience is a big part of, uh, of being an entrepreneur and, and with quench buggy, you know, how do you see things? Because obviously there's been some shifts and we're not going to dwell on, on COVID necessarily, but, you know, in terms of resilience and, and bouncing back and the whole notion of people wanting more experiences. And, you know, I have lots of conversations with, with different people in the area and they've noted that there's going to be a tremendous amount of, desire for experiences, outdoor experiences, events and things. So, you know, where do you see, see things going in the, you know, the next two or three years with regards to quench buggy and, and just events in general and those outdoor experiences? Yeah, this is very interesting because this is something that we've, um, leaned on a lot of our, our companies that we've worked with, you know, right since, you know, last March, when we started this, we leaned on a lot of the production companies. In 2019, we did about 175 festivals across North America, right? Wow. From California to Florida to, you know, to Collingwood. Yeah. Um, so we reached out, obviously we have a lot of contacts, but it's a, it's a very small group. I mean, you really see a lot of the same people when you're traveling in this circle. And so we talk to those people regularly to see what things are going to look like going forward. Um, and there is, there's going to be some, some changes. We see a couple of the big companies that we work with moving more towards camping festivals. Oh, interesting. Um, as opposed to the one day festivals yeah. where people can go for four days 
And it's, it's the experience. It really is the experience, right? Right from the food, right from the decorating your space, your camping space. And they're really going that experiential way. And we did a bit of that before. And we've seen that over the last 10 years where, you know, it's not just show up for the concert, two hours of music and everyone goes home. Right. They're trying to drive more, more interest in, in being there all day. Right. And and you've seen that in the music lineups where the headliners are headliners, but they'll also have somebody that really could be close to a headliner and they play at four o'clock in the afternoon because they're trying to get people there for the full day instead of for, you know, come for eight o'clock and see the last couple of bands and and carry on your way. They, they are really playing with their lineups and trying to get the whole benefit from the people being there for those eight or nine hours of a of a festival and it's it's interesting but i i'm a little bit worried for next year i think it's going to be busier than we can handle which is a good <laughs> problem but uh, i'm looking at all the universities that we work with in the u.s harvard and georgetown and yeah and brown university and they're already saying we need to make up for the last year and a half of graduations and harvard's planning on six weeks of graduations next spring wow uh, and that's six weeks of events for us, which is great. That's awesome. But we also do other things during that time. So <laughs> we're going to need more equipment. I was going to say, you're going to be ramping up manufacturing significantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so how have you found that, that scaling? Because obviously you said you're all throughout North America, which is amazing to hear that a Canadian company is scaling and, and, you know, touching all, all over North America. How did you find that, that scaling exercise? What, you know, what went well, what didn't, um, you know, if you could do it over again, what would you do differently? Well, funny you should say that. We are doing it over again because <laughs> we haven't been doing it well. Uh, we literally just work with our good customers. There's so many events out there right now that, that we can't do. Yeah. Like I said, we were in California last year for a festival called Bottle Rock and, or two years ago. And it was fabulous event. But you go there for your three-day festival, ship in 10 units, and then you're gone. You know, where you could have stayed for the next weekend for the local wine festival for 1,500 people. But there's no economy, you know, they can't pay you for that. There's right. just no. So we've struggled with that, you know, where we go into a city and we do one event and we do that in, in Arizona too. We go in for one big event, we leave. It's our mm. only event there in the year. And we've had a problem. Like we get so many calls that we have to say no to, cause it's just, there's makes no, no financial sense to do that. And so what we've done is we've just launched, launched a new partner program and it, it's going to really help us drill down in these cities where we have a lot of demand. So we're essentially operating on a U-Haul model where we're supplying the equipment to the partner. They're renting it out. We're revenue splitting. And we really hope to expand this. So we've got one person now in San Francisco. Yep. We've got one in St. Louis and we've got one in Pittsburgh. And uh, all their equipment will be delivered in the next two months here. And this will be our trial to see how this goes. They're all in similar businesses. One is stage rental company. Yeah. One's in uh, the food um, supplying uh, compostable foodware. So plates, cups, that kind of stuff mm -hmm. in St. Louis. And the other one's in water stations already in uh, San Francisco, but just on a very small scale. So That's we're searching for partners that are in the space. Yeah. And we really hope that this will, you know, 
open up quench buggy to more events locally and we can advertise as locally based because that's the key you know people would really like to rent from a local person yes well where are you coming from meford where's meford oh that's three thousand kilometers from where i am what are <laughs> so, you doing here yeah <laughs> oh my goodness every time we cross the border why are we paying you to come from canada oh yeah to distribute water the border guards well they got to know me so well by the end of the year they're just like oh where's the party this weekend <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that they open up a bit because that is a common question, you, you know, across all walks of life for work is like, why, why are you coming down here? And it's like, well, yeah. people have asked, so we're providing service. <laughs> exactly. No one's doing it or no one's doing it well. So <laughs> that's why we're here. Very cool. That's awesome. I like, I like the partner approach too, because that gives you just unlimited scalability down there and to, to, to harness that network. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. And we're going to do it in Canada as well. Um, we have a couple of people that we work with very closely now doing a lot of our events for us, independent contractors. And um, we're going to do that with them as well here in Canada. So one of them's out in, in uh, PEI. So they're going to do the East Coast for us. And we have another one in Ottawa. So that'll be next year. So, yeah. Amazing. Um, so, so you also act as a, a mentor as well um, for the starter company program, which is run by ASPEC, the Small Business Enterprise Center. Um, so you're, you have basically you, you've done you're well, are doing both sides of the house. You, and, and so can you talk a little bit about, you know, that transition to mentor or maybe perhaps you've always been a mentor and this was just another, um, you know, great experience for you. And, and then, you know, how how that's been and how you see it um, being of value to the, you know, to the community, if you will. Yeah, it's funny because the first time that they asked if I would be a mentor, I thought, I don't have enough experience to be a mentor. Like, that's, I need to be a mentee more often. And you never stop being a mentee. Even when you're a mentor, you're learning from these businesses that you're helping. And I found that very rewarding, you know. And my mentor used to say that when I got into the Power Up program. He used to say, you realize I'm getting more out of this than you are. I'm like, yeah, right. You know, it's, and then I started you know, that first time being a, a mentor and I was like, wow, I, I understand. Like this is really mutually beneficial because everybody does have different experiences. And, and when they asked me that first time and I said yes and, and got on with that first company, I realized that, uh, that I do have things to offer and everybody has something different to offer, but mine's more around, you know, starting a business and that initial ideas and, and drilling down on things. And, and again, we had a great leader, like Gail Draper was, was our facilitator as she still is for, for the SBAC. Nice. And she is great at matching mentors with mentees. Like she just, I don't know how she does it. And she has a great background and she's constantly following up with the mentors saying, how are things going? Are you happy? Are you getting what the support you need from us? Are there any other mentors that you can, you know, use? And again, it was very similar to what I talked about with the Power Up program. I think as long as you have a good facilitator that's willing to bring out the best in everybody, like she does, mm -hmm. um, it, it's really mutually beneficial. And it's a shorter program, obviously, but uh, but it's still uh, still a great program. And we just went through. Uh, I sat on the the board, I guess, or the judging panel for the starter company for this year. And we just went through that process. So there's some exciting businesses coming out. It's going to be fun. Nice. Can you share any details of, of any of those businesses that are, you know, that excite you the most, or, or perhaps if not the necessary, the business, maybe the, the industry or, or the theme or vertical that they're in. 
Well, what I found interesting this year in particular was, and Tim Newton does a great job of preparing these people for their presentations. That's one thing that we've noticed. Um, I've just done it two years now, but both years, the people coming in seem so much better prepared than I was doing this back then. Yeah. Tim just has a really great handle on getting these people. And I know Don Bourne's a key part of this too, um, but getting these people prepared to present to us. But um, we see a lot of outdoors business um, applications right from gardening to outdoor fitness um, to uh, tree maintenance. There's a lot of outdoors businesses that are coming to, to the program now. And I think that's exciting. And I think it speaks to the area um, because of people moving up here and wanting to be outside more and, and also adapting. Like there's a couple fitness businesses that, you know, they can't be inside right now. So they're bringing fitness to the park or they're bringing fitness to you and they're going to do it at your home. So I see that people are changing their business plans a little and evolving because of need they have to and it's exciting to see some of these businesses that have pivoted in the way they have and and the plans and how they've changed because i think people are doing really well in general and uh, i expected to see a lot more issues um with businesses closing in our area but i haven't seen as much as i thought we would that's encouraging that's amazing and do you think that there's though like so hospitality has always been a big piece up here do you feel that they're you know, is going to be not necessarily a full shift away from it, but do you, do you see the opportunity in some of those new companies that are cropping up that it's going to diversify the types of businesses that are in the region? I think it will. I don't think it's going to eliminate any businesses we're here. I think it's going to fill in the holes. Right. I think, you know, people are finding that white space, you know, they're finding their, their little niche where they can go, where there isn't somebody serving that or serving it well enough. And we just see the spaces filling in. And I know that's something we're going through in, in my hometown in Meaford, trying to identify the businesses that aren't here, that, that we need here and that we're trying to attract here. Like what's missing? What's there are certain businesses. I worried about the restaurant business from the start. Yeah, I mean, that was, that was something right from the start of this, that was going to be worrisome. And there's been a little bit of shutdowns and, and mergers and acquisitions and that kind of thing. And I know they're struggling, especially right now, Mm -hmm. but I do think when they come out on the other side of this, some of them have really adapted on the takeout side and on their own product lines and developing their own product lines, where I think that's really helping to supplement some of their, some of their incomes. And I think that's going to be exciting for some of these, because I think there's going to be stuff come out of this that we weren't really expecting. Very cool. And so you mentioned, you know, businesses that, you know, uh, gaps or things that are missing and, and specifically in Meaford, um, which is just over from Collingwood West of us here. Um, w- what are those gaps or pieces that you feel are missing right now? Um, Cause that'd be interesting. I'm, I'm curious personally too, cause I, I just moved up here yeah. last fall. So I'm always looking to learn more. Yeah, well, one of our biggest problems right now is actually uh, commercial space to put <laughs> to oh. put these uh, businesses into. So we have a lot of small businesses that are working from home. Right. That, that's been an, another thing that we've seen really evolve. And we need to find a way to support that. Um, as there was a lot of bylaws that used to be in place that really didn't allow for that. A home-based businesses or a home-based shop was really frowned upon on your property. And we're trying to find ways to embrace that, um, you know, home-based business and help people do more of that. And we're seeing a lot of it. 
especially over the last year and a half. But a few of the things that are missing here are just more of the, we're a tourist destination, yeah. but we need more experiences for people. They come here for our scarecrow festival. They come here for the apples. They come here, but we don't really have like a tour operator or anything like that. That's operating out of our area. Right. And I think we're seeing that in Collingwood now there's more of them coming. So we're going to see that here eventually. And it's yeah. just like everything, everything kind of just comes Collingwood, Thornbury, Meaford with the house prices. You could see the same, right. <laughs> yeah. But so now it's not even cheap to live in Meaford. So, <laughs> uh, but no, it's been exciting. Hopefully we'll see a tour operator here. And just kind of embrace those brewery tours and cider tours. And totally. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. There's a new business in Own Sound called Driver Seat, and they're uh, a shuttle business, yeah. airport shuttles, you know, tours like that. But they're really trying to get on that brewery tour, like a couple of the businesses in Collingwood that have been very successful. So. Yeah. yeah, that's a smart, that's a good, that's a good idea to have that shuttle. Cause there's definitely transportation. We, we had a previous guy on, um, uh, guest Richard Blundell who, who works for a transportation company and talking about just the challenges around, uh, transportation in the area and that there is no, uh, there's no micro transit. There obviously isn't transit between the communities or if it is, it's sparse and not, 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 uh, not something that would live up to a frictionless experience, if you will. And so, uh, definitely a challenge out in this area. And I hope it does shift. Uh, quite significantly as, as things move forward. Cause it would be, it would be very uh, exciting to see that shift, especially for all the communities uh, across Georgian Bay. Yeah. He's done really well. Like I know his, his shuttle runs uh, on sound to Meaford. Um, I think it's five times a day and it's like $5 no, um, each way. And he's going to Wyarden for $3 and back. And he's really expanding and, and partnering with the counties and getting a lot of, um, work that way as well. So, and I know he is going to Blue Mountain regularly in the winter. So uh, I'm excited to see where he goes with his business. And I hope something similar opens up Collingwood way, because I think it would benefit everywhere with Saga Beach, you know, Creemore. We have so much to offer in this area. It's just, we don't have an easy way to get to things. So. Yeah. It's connect, connecting all the networks together. It really is. Yeah. Um, Daryl, I always ask guests uh, who come on about books. So if there was, we'll start with one because that, you know, and we'll see if we can get one. And if you have multiple, that's cool too. But what's one book you would recommend for the, uh, the audience listeners today? I love the four hour work week. That is. And I love that. And I loved outliers. Those are my two, those are my two books that like I could probably read once a year just as a refresher and inspiration. I just, I, I met, uh, Malcolm Gladwell at oh, a conference nice. I was at and, uh, he's quite the guy, he's quite the character, <laughs> but, um, I love, I love outliers. I love all his books, but that one was, the, that was a big one for me. And the four hour work week is just inspirational from starting a business, just what can be done on a, on a shoestring. It, it, it really makes you think differently, right? Just because of oh. the, it's, it's, star, it's a stark contrast to nine to five. <laughs> yeah. I read it when I was away on vacation in, in Dominican with my family. And I was like, I, I couldn't sleep at night. Cause I was like thinking of all the things I could be doing, should be doing. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting. It's good. Oh, book. Amazing. Um, Daryl, where, where can people find you? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Email, uh, social media. What's the best way? Best way is just through the Quench Buggy website, okay. um, quenchbuggy.com. 
I'm available through there. Uh, we're on social media. We have a great local company doing our social media work for us now on Instagram. Nice. Um, they're doing a great job for us and we've, we've stayed active. You know, we haven't been doing any events in the last year and a half. Yeah. We did a couple big construction rentals in the last year and a half, which helped, but, uh, we believe that we had to stay active so that once we get back to normal, and it's been fun reliving all these things that we've done for the last 10 years. Cause that's really what it's been is, is a review of all the places we've been. So yeah, reach out, happy to answer questions or help uh, anybody that needs any help. Very cool. Daryl, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you joining the ways of working podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for having me. Keep up the good work. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Ways of Working podcast. If you'd like more on Ways of Working or have any questions, you can go to www.thack.ca forward slash links. So that's thack.ca forward slash links, where you can access all episodes, uh, previous episodes of the podcast. You can access interesting articles and insights around ways of working. And if you want to get in touch with myself, you can also, uh, you know, for discovery sessions or, or more information around ways of working, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to me there as well. All right. So thank you very much and hope you enjoy the rest of your day.